Death has a way of calling us home, and when it does, we put on our best. Becca Phillips hadn't been to Arkham in years, hadn't worn a dress in almost as long, and now here she was, stepping off the train and feeling out of place in both. Water Street looked just the same as it had the last time she'd been here. The same shops struggling to net a few of the North Shore tourist dollars that tended to flow around Arkham before continuing up the coast to Newburyport and Portsmouth. She took the Garrison Street Bridge on foot. It was a cool day and overcast. The updraft off the river chilled her through, and she pulled her coat tight around her chest, hair flailing in the wind and whipping across her eyes. Gulls wheeled high above, and the last boats of the season trolled the dark water below. Both avoided the stark little island of standing stones upriver from the bridge, same as it ever was. The dress was a simple black thing, knee-length with little red roses, and she wondered now why she'd bothered with it. Her usual mode of dress had almost been inherited from the woman she was here to honor anyway. Catherine Phillips, her late grandmother, had only ever worn dresses to university fundraisers, never in the classroom or the field. Thinking of her, Becca longed for her cargo pants and leather jacket, the sort of attire Catherine would have been wearing in some sepia-toned photo taken in front of a pyramid back when her hair had been as dark as Becca's was now. From the bridge, she could see the white steeple, her destination and another reminder of the dissonance between a life well-lived and a proper burial. Catherine had set foot inside churches less often than dresses. The service was already underway when Becca arrived. She settled quietly into one of the empty pews at the back of the nave and let the sonorous words of the minister wash over her as she searched the sparsely peopled rows for a mane of sun-bleached hair combined with an inherent restlessness of form. Finding him nowhere, she realized she'd dressed up the little bit she was capable of just to highlight his inevitable shabbiness, his disrespect for his own mother. He who would arrive on the back of a Harley in oil-stained jeans if he arrived at all. But, of course, he hadn't. He'd blown them both off to the bitter end. A man in a brown suit stepped out of the shadows of the narthex and sat down beside her. Her heart jumped into her throat for a second, but it wasn't the grizzled hand of her hard-living father patting her knee, and she found herself looking into the empathetic eyes of her surrogate uncle, Neil Hafner. She was surprised at how much he had aged since she'd last seen him, his doggish face now even more hound-like in its sagging, his fading freckles framed by thinning pale hair. Becca gave his hand a squeeze and let it go. The rows in front of them appeared to be mostly occupied by Catherine's colleagues and students, with the family underrepresented. She spotted her Uncle Alan with Michelle and the girls, but Becca had always been closer to Neil, who was neither family nor faculty, and who had always been more of a friend to Catherine than either. They had met in the 90s when the folklore professor needed photographs of base reliefs for a book she was writing. Later, when Becca had shown an interest in photography, Catherine had enlisted Neil as a mentor. He reached into his jacket pocket and produced a small wooden box, 
hinged and redolent of cedar, which he held above her lap until she took it. Now he was the one scanning the rows and aisles, but somehow she doubted he was looking for her father. He folded his hand over hers just as she was about to pop the lid on the little box, leaned in, and whispered, Not here, and don't let anyone see. It belonged to Catherine. Becca slipped the box into her purse and glanced around the church, trying not to appear too furtive, but all eyes were on the altar. Who are we keeping it from? The university might make a claim on it if they knew it wasn't lost, but she wanted you to have it.